Welcome to the Honest Postnatal Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Dow, a postnatal exercise specialist and a mum of two. This is a space where we talk about postnatal recovery and how it feels emotionally and physically. This can be a challenging time for any mum, but I'm here to give you hope whilst keeping it honest. So wherever you are, take a deep breath, settle in, let's get started. Anna, thank Hi. you so much for coming in, especially on such a hot day. Yeah, um, I'm sweating buckets, but I'm, no one can see that, thankfully, except you. Well, I can see it, but we're also <laughs> separated. So, 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 enough distance between us, which yes. is good. So, yeah, my notes great. But thank you. Um, I was trying to remember, actually, like how how I first came across you. So I know... It was Instagram, I think, it wasn't was it? Instagram. Of course, <laughs> in, Insta friends. I do because I remember you messaged me and you wanted to do an Instagram live about cesarean. I think it's what were you preparing for your second birth? I think yes. that, was, that was what it was, and then we kind of yeah. And I think maybe from there. someone had said that you were like the hypnobirthing teacher that also does hypnobirthing for C sections mm-hmm. because I was like, I want it to be chilled. I want to go in with some kind of plan mm-hmm. and I think someone must have said contact Anna. Yes, that must have been it. I mean, I'm not the only person that does, um, although I think at the time there weren't that many people doing it and um, that was something that came about by accident because I was teaching someone who on the day we started said, oh, I'm having a planned cesarean to which I was like, shit. Sorry, am I allowed to swear? But <laughs> <Yes. sorry. laughs> um, because I sort of thought, well, loads of this doesn't apply to you. So effectively I wrote a course around her and then... I've taught it, I don't know, 20, 30 times since then. So, um, and I'm about to teach someone else in a couple of weeks. I, I really, I love um, teaching people to prepare for that kind of birth. So yeah, it was um, a happy accident. A happy accident, yeah. yeah. Mm. And I feel like so many of us with our first birth, mm-hmm. and I definitely did, don't plan for oh, C-section. Yeah. Or you kind of put in your birth plan, okay with a C-section if mm-hmm. all else fails, but there's yeah. like, there is no plan for it. Definitely. And it's my biggest thing for the people I teach to take it very seriously because we live in a culture now where, I mean, um, I'll just say there was a um, UCLH last, it must have been July because someone told me about this in August, they reported a 50% cesarean rate. Now, that is a hospital that deals with high-risk pregnancies, so there is a skew with that data, and there will be planned cesareans in there as well, no question, but there will be plenty of unplanned cesareans. Uh, And I use that word specifically because we Mm -hmm. talk about emergency cesareans so much, and actually, usually we mean unplanned, and there is a difference with those. Um, But it's the way the NHS defines the two. Um, And I just think... You know, if you're going with the flow of what your hospital kind of is is reporting, you need to have a really good, robust plan. You know, plan for that. So, in my group course, I spend a lot of time talking through the process of that and um, just making sure that people are aware that there are choices that they can make within that as well to make it feel personalised and you know a really positive experience. That that's important, I think. So, yeah, it is. And I think there's so many things I want to unpick from what you just said and like one of the first things is that's why I love you so much because you're <laughs> but you're so research led and mm. you know so even when you're like it's 50 percent, it's mm. like you're looking at the statistics mm. and then you're being like okay so this is the number and then let's plan for it and yeah. the other thing that I love with you is that you're you know you're like you can plan you can do hypnobirthing mm-hmm. you can have this idea but if you are prepared then actually it can be less traumatic absolutely and yeah. that's one of the messages that I love from you and I mm-hmm. think like almost thinking about the postnatal to me 
most of the trauma comes from actually being like, oh, I want to swear now. Oh, fuck. I did mm. not know that any of this could happen. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I feel like with you, you're like, you could have eventuality. A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. <laughs> like, but it's yeah. brilliant, mm. you know. And then I see so many of your posts where women are like, I didn't get the birth. I was, you know, I desired, but mm -hmm. I was so prepared mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I don't feel traumatized. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much for saying that. Well, I, I really try very hard to make that the central function of my course that, you know, the, the first message is you can't control birth. It, there are too many variables within that. And what's really important is my course, if you do my group course, is 10 hours long and it's not a midwifery degree. <laughs> That's three years and 40 <laughs> birth deliveries. You know, it's not that. So you can't plan for every single event. Yeah but you can certainly stack the odds in your favor of aiming as much as possible for your plan a but my god have your contingency plans you know i'm very hot on birth planning um i'm there's a wonderful woman she's called Catherine bell and she's called the birth cartographer okay and um, and i think more people can get on board with that because plan for some people feels too solid and oh, i'll be disappointed by that and she talks about birth mapping that oh, you kind of move i was just through. like what does that word mean yeah. <laughs> i was like work it out work it out okay. yeah, no, no. <laughs> So yeah, so she so map writing cartography. Okay. She is very into this idea that you can kind of like look at roots and and part of that is okay, right? If I make one of the if this is a decision or something comes up here, then it's almost like a Venn diagram. Okay, I could go down not Venn diagram, sorry, a flow chart. Yes. I can go to this or I can go to this pathway. Um and um and getting partners really involved in that as well. That's a huge element for me that I think is so important and so overlooked. Um yes. and we put a lot of pressure on partners. Um I do accept that, but it's a big job. And, and it takes two to make a baby. So yeah, I mean, quite you know, right. Like, or, <laughs> yeah, you know, most yeah. of the time it takes two to make sure, a baby. Sure, not sure. always yeah. nowadays. But yeah. yes, if you're mm. gonna have your partner there, I wholeheartedly agree. They need to be a lot more prepared than they genuinely are yes I think so and I you know and I it's so lovely seeing people in my course like the partners who come in and they're first a bit like oh, what is this yeah. very skeptical and you know some still leave skeptical I'm, it's not my job to kind of win them over but when they see the elements of what their role the, def the defined element of what their role needs to be and what they can do and actually be part of that process and not be frightened of the experience that's amazing. And I hear it time and time again. I couldn't have done it without my partner. And, yeah. um, you know, I know that because my husband was a shit birth partner the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then he was amazing the second time. So so I know the impact that has when you have someone who is really able to advocate for you, yeah. protect the space for you, work alongside your medical team so that you can get on with the job of birthing a baby. Yeah. You know? And then for a cesarean, you know, it's major abdominal surgery. Yeah. And we expect partners to be totally cool watching that. Like, yes. How is that? possible so yeah it's all kind of a part of the mix but there's only so much I can teach in that time there is also <laughs> yeah, an element they have to go off and then actually really dig into that yeah. as well themselves so yeah but that's also really interesting thinking about the partner side of things and I feel like my partner Grant bless him you know with being traumatized by the first birth mm. but also not prepared for the postnatal like yes. neither of us were yes but he completely was not prepared for the postnatal recovery mm. period whatsoever mm -hmm. so I don't know, like talking about your course or just talking about your experience, mm. but 
how much like or how can we prepare partners as well for the postnatal recovery yeah so so i mean a lot of it is to do with the nature of your birth yes. for sure so you know if you are have a vaginal birth and then it goes really smoothly and easily then the chances are you are probably physically at least going to and probably mentally as well kind of be set off on the right foot yeah. aren't you if you sustain tearing or have an episiotomy so it cuts the perineal tissue there is recovery implication with that and then with the cesarean again it's there's a lot going on there in terms of that recovery and actually I think there's a thing of like postnatal planning in pregnancy yeah so so important and I wish I could devote more of my course to it to be perfectly honest I, pr- I it's not enough I know that to it, it's just putting the foot in toe in the water if that's yeah. the right phrase um, but sitting down the first thing to do is to sit down and say right what are you thinking this is going to be like? Now, I know that sounds really strange because you sort of think, well, how could you possibly know? But if you're sitting down and one of you is kind of thinking one thing and then yeah. the other's thinking the other, then that's a problem already. And it's too late once the baby's here because you're so oh tired. God, you're so done for it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So sitting down. So I um, really love, um, there's a brilliant book called Why Postnatal Recovery Matters by um, Sophie Messager. Okay. She is a doula and a, I want to say something like a biologist. She's certainly oh, a scientist. Okay. So it's a good combo. Good. Yeah, <laughs> and um, it's part of the White Matters series from Pinter and Martin, which is fantastic. But this particular book is great. It's very small, fits in your handbag. I recommend everybody reads it. Very easy to read. It's got lovely recipes and things in it. But she divides the chapters into, or the sections into, um, uh, rest, social support, nutrition, and physical body. Okay. So those are her kind of four tenets of recovery with rest being the most important. Yes. How are you going to facilitate maximum rest and recovery? Yes. And actually, it's not even recovery from birth often. It's recovery of having been pregnant for, yeah, let's be real. Months, or 10 yeah, months. Yeah, 10 months. Which is yeah. what I'm <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's a long time and there is pressure on your abdominal muscles, pressure on your pelvic floor. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the increase in sort of, you know, things that you don't talk about. The fact you sweat like mad after birth, yes. you know, that water Excess release. Wind. Yes. I was talking to a client about the other day she was like why did no one tell me i know i know and this is the thing all of these sort of elements of like how can you um you know so as you're you're nourishing your body yeah um, and resting sufficiently when you've got a baby who doesn't understand circadian rhythms does not understand yeah. night and day um so it, it, are you as a partner going to be picking up the slack on everything else yeah are you someone who loves having a really tidy house could you devote you know okay fine you do the washing up but the rest can go or do you get a cleaner and have some more hours in the house or do you get a postnatal doula in who's going to help you with that you know or is it a family member I always treat that with a bit of caution (laughs) (laughs) because that could be good and bad Um, it's so often it's about that support network you know because we have culturally we do it by ourselves and we shouldn't we shouldn't be doing that and I think culturally in England maybe in America as well you know it's bounce back culture oh, still completely. and it's you know you're out of hospital super quick you come home yeah. you know and the, the amount of pictures as well I see of women like holding the, the the baby carrier like in the car seat and I'm like oh my god it yes. should be your partner you've yes. just given birth but yes. even that you've had the baby snap back you know get it into the car you go home and then it's like there is just no postnatal recovery in no. our country like compared to other cultures that 40 days in bed or totally. 40 days at home yeah. and the traditions, you mm-hmm. know, the broths mm-hmm. and the the hot food, the hot drinks, yes. the binding of the bones, like everything. Yes. I feel like it's just so missing. Completely missing. And, you know, so the amount of people I talk to and say, oh, I had a cesarean and they're walking around Victoria yes, Park, you know, yes. after 24 hours later. And I just think, 
I'm like, and, oh, yeah. I feel fine. And like, yeah. okay. And then four weeks later, they're absolutely knackered and, you know, sort of falling apart. And yep. I mean, you know, metaphorically. No, I get it. It's, yes. um, it's so challenging. And um, I do think that's something I did a lot better the second time. The first time I did not. Yeah, um, I have not had cesareans, but I did have sustained pelvic injury with my first um, and then very minor with my second. So. Yeah which is often typical of second births, um, not always, but often, um, and just kind of being um, more mindful of that. But I also had a toddler in the mix, you know, yeah. so that is a different thing as and well. And it's planning for that, isn't it? Like I yes. talk to clients about like, again, if you know what kind of birth you're going to have, but yeah. teaching them in that period when you're pregnant to like come to mummy for a cuddle, but like yeah. get them to climb up onto you, yes. you know, putting all yes. those little steps and yes. getting stools around, yeah. stools, steps yeah. around the house everywhere. So, you know, they can step up to brush their teeth or yes. step up to get in the bath yes. because you, you, you know, even if you've had a vaginal birth, you don't really want to be picking up a toddler straight yes. away to yeah. like do all of that stuff. So yeah. it's all of that prep and that lead up that you can be thinking of whilst you're pregnant. Yes. Yeah. And again, yeah, I think someone said about having like a toddler toy basket. So yes. you can be sat feeding baby. Yeah. And then, you know, your toddler can be next to you and they're in the toy basket getting yeah. mummy a book to read. Like yes. things that you can do that doesn't involve you, yeah, walking, you know, going like, oh gosh, I've got to take them to the park. And yeah. actually you're putting your pelvic floor yes. under duress, yeah. you know, when you've mm-hmm. just given birth. It's, Absolutely. And things like, um, because, you know, it's my mum, I love this. Okay. She said to me, when you have another child, your heart breaks to get bigger. And oh, I remember, gosh, <laughs> I remember it so clearly being in yeah. Homerton uh, Templar Ward. Um, and I, after a really great birth experience, but I stayed because the pediatrics weren't around and I, sh- I gave birth to about half past eight at night or something. So they right, wanted so to see you were in that time. <laughs> yeah. So like, and you oh. talk about this, I love how you talk about like, just check the time when you go yeah. in and like when the midwife yeah. check on and off. And I'm like, it's brilliant information. Yeah, but unfortunately for me, 8 and 8.30. Okay. <laughs> but yes, it does help. So I had that that real in between, yeah, the sort of the shift pattern change. And um, so I was in um, Homerton and then at this point they were allowing siblings in. Right, so good. my son came in, which was wonderful. But I remember suddenly he looked huge. So that's yeah. one thing you just because you forget how tiny a newborn is and that's quite heartbreaking in itself. And then, oh, God, your life is about to change so dramatically. And, you know, and he and it was so sweet. Like he was so into her and kind of holding her hand. And, you yeah. know, it's, it's so magical. But it is there is a heartbreak to that, you know. And how um, did you feel? Because I'm just now you're saying that. Did that trigger anything in you in terms of the birth? So I'm thinking like, because I had my second and it was the elective C-section. It was Mm -hmm. at the Portland. Mm -hmm. It was all magical and Mm -hmm. it was so healing. Mm -hmm. And then I remember kind of seeing Ethan and I'm almost feeling kind of slightly more heartbroken that his birth hadn't been that Mm. way. Like, did that trigger for you anything or not? Do you know what? I don't think it did. I think I was quite able to compartmentalize and I do think I credit hypnobirthing with that yeah. because so just to explain with my son's birth I, who he's now 10 and if I could have done less than zero preparation for his oh, birth you saying this yeah I just, <laughs> honestly it's embarrassing like I when I and I tell this story to people who will come to my intro sessions because I think it's really important please don't do nothing you know <laughs> even if it's not me if they're teaching you don't do nothing at all um you know, I did nothing. I didn't listen to a single podcast. I didn't go to a single antenatal thing. I was just like... Not even at a- the hospital, not no, even. Actually, no, that's not true. I went to one okay. at the hospital and a woman there put up her hand and said, could you wash your baby with bleach? To which I thought, okay. Was she Donald Trump? Yes, guys. <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, you just think, like this, uh, okay, okay, we're fine because yes. of these morons are asking these questions. <laughs> anyway, it was wild. Um, so I did one and I was like, okay, fine. But it wasn't really going in. And actually, to be fair, I did listen to it. My friend had given me a hypnobirthing CD, but I knew nothing about the theory about it. So I was just like, it's everything I think it's going to be. Whale music and okay. whispering to my vagina and no thank you, any of that. <laughs> Blah. Um, and Tim would sit on the en- end of the bed laughing, eating crisps. I mean, we did nothing. And I think because my whole thing was it's just going to be awful and then I'll have a lo- lovely baby at the end. And actually, yeah. that's kind of what happened it was a very high intervention birth that I now recognize was unnecessary for me did you have four sets I had four sets yeah. I had I mean I had the full works basically so um I was induced well I, I was offered in I was booked induction at my 40-week appointment for 10 days time mm-hmm. just and I'm sure she asked my consent but I had no idea that this was an option what you were thing. consenting to yeah totally didn't understand the process at all and I had the um pessary um can I I should just say Induction has its place. There are times where it's totally yes. the right thing. But in that instance, it was not. Yeah. However, it did work. Sometimes it doesn't work at all. Yeah. <laughs> I had the outpatient pessary gel went in, monitored. And the midwife there said, this baby will be out. Well, you will be um, in labor in 12 hours. And that's exactly what happened. I went home and I did go into labor, but it was like nothing. And then bam. Yeah, of course. No like build up. Onslaught. Yeah. I could not cope. It was so painful. I was so frightened. I had no idea about breathing techniques or birth environment or anything. I mean, it was just a total shit show. Weirdly, I found myself in midwife-led centre. Yeah, and I don't know okay. how I had that after a, um, a uh, induction, actually, because yeah. I think that was my plan. My plan, by the way, said ideally no drugs. That was my birth okay. plan. Okay. Um, and um, so I found myself in the midwife-led centre, but I was like, I need an epidural. I just, I've got to get me into that room. Yeah. And so I felt like I was in there for hours. And I had pethidine as well, which for me didn't really do anything. It just made me lose track of time. Um, and so brightly lit room. And then epidural which was amazing you know yeah it does work when it most of the time it does work about nine out of ten times it works and I could rest but then I was so tired by that point I was just topping it up over and over again so I just every time I got any sense of that coming back okay more top up more top up in that meantime, I was hooked up to a machine that was broken. So I had um, continuous monitoring that was telling them that the baby was in distress. Okay. And actually, it was a broken machine, <sighs> which they never took me off. So right. the whole of my labor, there's this machine going ding, 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 oh, like an emergency. <laughs> so I ended up with everything I thought I had, you know, the worst case scenario, lying on my back, feet up in stirrups, yeah. episiotomy. Forceps. Forceps. A tear. I don't, and t- I still don't know what degree tear that was. And I'm going to find out and get my yeah. notes because it's interesting, I think, to know. It's really good to know for the future um, as well. Completely. And I, um, yeah, it was just, uh, and a huge postpartum hemorrhage. So, you right. know, kind of, and, and actually, I remember them saying to me, if you don't push this baby out in the next push, you're going rushing for a cesarean. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, not with it. Really yeah. not in that room at all. And it's the language. Um, I mean, there's yeah. just so much, to, again, to yeah. unpack here. Yeah. But the language of, I also got told, you know, if this baby's, if you don't get this baby out yes. in an hour, and it's like... Yes. It's not very encouraging, either, no. is it? You know, it's, it's just... not. And you know, this is medics who this is their job day in day out. Yeah. Who are always they their whole life is dominated by the fear of being sued. Yeah, you know, which it's, is fair it's so hard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. I have the greatest sympathy for it. Yeah. But what can happen is 
A, they never see a normal birth. Yeah. Uh, sorry, quote unquote normal. I don't love yes, that. I just, yeah. it's, sometimes it just comes out. So they never see a physiological vaginal birth because they're not called into it. Yeah, of course. Because it's not their world. Yeah. And so, you know, and they are responding very often to, you know, life death scenarios. And what can happen within that is that this language comes out that makes you, you know, sense of failure or emergency emergency and I don't know if that's really true in his case you know but it, it, equally in that moment I was like I just want this to be over yeah you know and get done, that baby out and yeah. I was done you know and um but my abiding memory is just like doing proper coach pushing yes. chin on my chest purple pushing which is not in any way encouraged mm-hmm. um nice care guidelines don't support it but it's different with an epidural if you can't feel yeah and um, his very bloody body placed on my chest. And they said, wait, open your eyes, open your eyes. And just being like, oh, okay, well, thank God that's over. Yeah. <laughs> that's my abiding memory of my son's birth. And how, somehow I'm not traumatized by it. <laughs> but I would say my husband is. Really? Yeah, I would say so. Because he was battered around the room like he was, I remember him crying at one point, oh. just being like, I don't know what to do here. Yeah. And he genuinely didn't. And um, for a long time, he was sort of like, do we need, would we have another child? And I actually was always like, yeah, I don't want my son to be an only child. Um, And conception was always very easy for us, you know, one of the two times that we've um, tried to conceive. So we were always very lucky in that respect. Um, And, you know, but, but from a recovery perspective, I remember being on a schedule of drugs for ages. I was in hospital for two nights. Um, I think they were kind of monitoring my episiotomy and just making sure there wasn't an infection there. I think Ted was fine, actually. I remember feeding being really quite difficult, but I was just in a daze. Like, I don't sort of have this. I didn't have that immediate rush of love. There was an immediate sort of like, oh, okay, that's you. I'm in charge of you now. I didn't like hate him. I didn't, but I and I wasn't kind of numb. But I wasn't. There wasn't that kind of like, <gasps> and that came very quickly. You yeah, know, probably the next day. That sort of oh my god, he's so sweet. He's so you know all the rest of it. But every time he'd wake up and I'd have to try and feed him, and that just was not working yeah. at all. You know, um, which eventually it did, thank God. But um, and I really pursued that and wanted to, and that is a big part of breastfeeding often. Um, but of course people do have you know physical challenges with that as well but I you know I was very highly drugged up for a long time after his birth um I don't actually ever remember being in pain so they obviously did the trick very well it obviously did <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. um but I it, it dazed and confused and I get maybe that's you know just a first baby isn't it there is that too so. oh gosh I mean yeah. <laughs> it's a lot it's a, it? yeah it's a lot to break down <laughs> isn't it but yeah I think first births are god i want to say inherently difficult but that i don't want to say that at the same time but they Mm. they can exactly you can't plan and you don't know what to expect Mm. um so you are just going into the unknown aren't Mm. you exactly Mm -hmm. and you can plan everything and it's very difficult and again someone cannot prepare you for handing you a baby like all of your friends can tell you this is what it's going to be like and everything but no one can you can't physically experience that, I think. There is no preparation for it at all. I don't know how to, uh, when I teach that, so on my course I do a bit about what it's like for your baby womb to world. Yes. And then what it's like to be, uh, based on those four tenets of Sophie's book of, you know, kind of like how you can look after yeah. yourself. It's impossible. 
there is no preparation yeah. for it. And even if you're like a nanny or you work with children, it's just different. It's yes. a totally, it's so overwhelming. The one thing I always close my course with now is the Rob Delaney quote about birth. I don't know whether you've seen this. No. Oh, it's so beautiful. Um, my phone's on airplane mode, so I might turn it off and find it for you. But <laughs> it, uh, it used to make me cry every time I read it. But essentially w- what it sort of, it talks about when he says that when someone tells him they're about to have a baby, um, he says it's wonderful that's the most amazing thing because you have been broke before you've been felt like an incapable moron before you know I'm <laughs> paraphrasing now that you know you have done you've been had difficult challenges before but it's also wonderful and you're not prepared for that bit so it's yeah. so many things in the mix it's not all doom and gloom and horrendous but there are elements where I, I sort of say to people you know you could have a 30 second flip from thinking this is the most wonderful thing and you're so lucky and how gorgeous this baby is and all the rest of it and then what have we done like yeah, I remember yeah, that feeling yeah. of like I'm never going to be able to go out in the evening ever yeah. again like um, I used to sing in choirs at that point and I couldn't I knew that I, I couldn't possibly leave him in the evenings for months and months and months and I was really gutted about that that felt like such a big part of my identity and then it identity does change yeah. yeah it's such a huge identity and in fact um I've just been reading Matrescence oh, this year, um, I'm, I'm one of the one in four just <laughs> waiting for the book for review. <laughs> Because I was like, I'm just going to wait until Anna tells me if it's any if it's worth reading, and then I'll buy it. <laughs> so the concept of matrescence is not new, but okay. it's um, so there's a there's a brilliant TED talk by Alexandra Sachs, I think her name is, and it's coined by someone called Dana Raphael from the 1970s, and it's it, if you so you apply the word adolescence mm-hmm. to mothers, yeah, that's what it because is. Because it's a huge change, huge change, absolutely huge. The book is simultaneously one of the best things I've ever read, and equally so problematic yeah this is what i really want to hear about because <laughs> because for me the research is not good so okay. for example the the, the uh, and maybe it's because i know the detail or i have information as part of my professional role the birth and the feeding chapters for me are real a real problem because she's not she won't quote people within the specific world so for example in the breastfeeding chapter Rather than using a breastfeeding expert, she is quoting people who, so one's a statistician um, and then another who works, I think, in child psychology or something um, to support her arguments. Okay. To, which is, and a lot of that is about trauma. But first and foremost, it is a personal memoir. So yeah. that's the most important so thing to see. Yeah. Totally. But I think cherry picking and skewing evidence to support her argument, which actually, when you look on the face of it, if you, a, a, you know, an IBCLC breastfeeding expert would look at that and say I'm really sorry but that's actually not true you know mm. that the uh, to paraphrase that the benefits of breastfeeding have been overstated that's not true you know so there are problems in it but it's taken me a long time to marshal my thoughts however they are coming soon yeah <laughs> it's coming soon <laughs> make building up so much it's um but there are it's so lyrical and she talks so so she's really obsessed with the natural world she's written a lot about kind of other nature stuff um and so each chapter is punctuated by that and there are moments of incredible beauty and feeling like oh yes my god i've really been seen by this mm-hmm. so I think I still recommend it, but I guess my bottom line is a bit beautiful lyrical writer, important subject, terrible research. Okay, <laughs> so we'll, we'll sum it up with that for the so, moment. <laughs> so there's more coming, but it's you know it's but to have a huge publisher by Penguin talking about publishing a book yes. with matrescence on the front cover yeah. about bloody time. That's amazing. You know, so I think maybe my expectations were so high. Okay, that's the problem. So that's not her fault. Okay. So, 
It's a big diversion. (laughs) We'll park that there and then let's come back to your postnatal Mm -hmm. recovery. Yes. So let's talk about, well, you tell me, but let's talk about how the first birth, like how your postnatal recovery was, how it changed you. Mm -hmm. Like what were you expecting? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know you said you completely didn't plan for the birth. So Mm. I'm guessing you probably didn't plan for postnatal. No, I really didn't. I mean, short of putting some food in the freezer. Oh, well done, uh, So I did that. (laughs) And I have to say, whenever I teach anyone, I said, if your postnatal planning is putting some lasagna in the freezer, you need to think bigger. It is an element that's important, but that's not it. All of it. (laughs) Um, So I felt pretty, you know, that I'd done that. But I, um, I was completely blindsided. I mean, I had friends who had kids, um, but none because I hadn't done, you know, NCT or any of those kind of, you know, childbirth courses at all. I didn't have parent mates. Okay. Yeah. I so I had that thing of being lonely but never alone. Yeah. This kid was always with me. The crushing feeling of, um, you know, um, uh, what's that? like responsibility that's relentless. It yeah. just it it feels like you you know you love them so much, but you cannot catch a break. I remember yeah. when Tim would come home, I would just mm. hand him Ted, and I would yeah. lock myself in the bathroom for ten minutes. That's all I needed, you know. But I I didn't have that kind of setup. My yes. my mum was actually would come up quite a lot, and that was great. And they have a really lovely relationship because she also looked after him um, on a couple of days when he was at nursery as well um, so um, so there was that element but I think of those early postpartum kind of you know the 12 week period after birth um, just total shock and you do come out of it but he was born in February and it's hard winter babies are really hard mm. um, and I also think 10 years ago there just wasn't the level oh. of childcare classes there are now like there are so many things you can go to and know. I think everything is changing now yeah. even just like the word women's health physio yes. for the postnatal the yes. mummy MOT yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that wasn't a thing was no, it no not at all and no. even just all the taboos about you know prolapse and stuff mm-hmm. like I feel like did we even have Instagram then? I don't know. Ten years um, ago. I remember taking a couple of pictures of Ted and putting filters on them. I was going to so, say, but it was, it was like so those... the early days yeah. of that. Yeah, there wasn't anything like, like that. Conversations yeah. and no. stuff. So I feel like nowadays it's getting better. Like obviously yes. the postnatal period is still hard. Hence why yes. we're doing this podcast. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah, there just wasn't any of that information. Definitely. So where, yeah. Like even let's talk about your episiotomy. Like mm. where did you get? information from about that did you get any information to be honest with you I don't think I did at all um I and maybe if I'd had an infection that would have forced the issue but actually I think what was good I was 29 so and I I know I didn't do any exercise in pregnancy the first time around so um it's kind of amazing how it's incredible how quickly your body heals actually Mm. often you know obviously sometimes people do have you know infections or whatever that can happen um but I think they did a really good job on the stitching up front um and I remember the midwife coming over and checking and saying actually that looks really good that's healing really well so that was kind of all I took from it and actually I think um and I'm much better than I used to be considering I say the word vagina like virtually on a daily basis but this used to be something I I have always was always very prudish didn't want to talk about that there was a real like not necessarily shame but I couldn't really talk to friends and family about it lots of my friends we were sort of oh yeah I had a pesiosome oh you know and that was kind of the end of the conversation it's so different now and that's only in a decade you know it kind of amazes me yeah and that's I think that's so important Um, I did see um, I went to the mummy MOT but second time around actually Um, but I do remember going to a physio maybe maybe Ted was about two there's three and a half years between my kids and I remember sort of um, going to this physio not women's health specific but just saying you know I I want to make sure my body's 
you know, in good alignment or that I feel strong and that I was going to go into that birth experience very differently, you know, that I was going to put the foundations in place yes. for that. And I definitely did do that. So in truth, I don't think I really thought about it at all. You know, and there might be an element of denial with that. But as far as that, it wasn't causing me pain. Yeah, so you weren't having any symptoms or no, anything? No, nothing like that. So, um, and I thought I had a prolapse, but when I went to then see the um, mummy MOT, they told me that that wasn't the case. So, um, you know, maybe that kind of also healed by itself. So maybe, you know, sometimes things like that, your body is incredible and will kind of do what it needs to do in, in some cases. So. Yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't, as someone who teaches antenatal support, you know, it's at that time I was a very different person, I think, you know. So what changed? So what changed was when I was pregnant, well, before pregnancy, wanting to make sure I felt strong and healthy and then doing a hypnobirthing class. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I have to say it's that's the reason I do what I do now. So I didn't want to have a birth like that again. Okay. It couldn't be like that. And it was about the time I was starting getting more interested in Instagram. And I started to get, you know, targeted advertising, although it doesn't feel quite as kind of aggressive as it yeah. is now. Um, but I started following Holly DeCruz, who was down in Dulwich, okay. who was, a she was kind of the only, there wasn't as many hypnobirthing teachers as there are now. I knew there were people locally, but I there was something about her that I just thought she doesn't seem like a hippie. She um, this seems really logical. And then yeah. I started looking on her website and seeing these amazing birth stories and thinking, okay, maybe there's something in this. And Tim was a bit like, well, I'll do whatever you want. You know? And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you're saying like you weren't traumatized by that first birth, mm. but obviously there was something there that made you think, I'm not doing that again. Like I want Definitely. another child, but I am not doing that again. It's not going to be that like same that. Same vein. Yeah. yeah. But so that's interesting. You know, but I never entertained the idea that I'd wanted a planned cesarean. So, mm. which, you know, it li really never crossed my mind, which is an interesting thing because I teach a lot of people where yeah. that is, I mean, similar to your experience, yeah. where that's the absolute first port of call. For me, it was, I was going to plan in case, but truly I, I was like, you know, I can do it. I can do it. Yeah. But I just need a way to manage that. And to help. To and help. It. Exactly. You know, um, and, um, you know, and when we did a course, it was a group, I don't know, it was maybe six couples, maybe a couple more down in Dulwich. So we were kind of traveling because we were in Hackney. Um, and I was the only, we were the only couple where it was second time round. Right, and okay. I was kind of sitting there doing that thing of like, oh God, yeah, it's really terrible, you know, <laughs> you know, to people in the room. And Holly just very gently, but very kind of, you know, firmly but gently is like, you know, you're doing that thing. You're doing that thing where you are telling people how terrible it can be. Mm. I have really moved my thought about when we talk about negative, quote unquote, negative birth stories to people, because I think there can be value in that. And I'll yes. come back to that in a second. But um, but she was right. I was. And actually, that wasn't helpful to no. people in that space who were aiming for their first birth yeah. experience. But I was doing it and it wasn't with bad intention. No, but that was just your experience. That was my experience. Yeah, exactly. Your lived experience. Yeah. And so but I was obviously there and wanted it to be different. And so but within about half an hour, both Tim and I were like, Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> because 
I didn't even know how my uterus worked in labour. Like, it is astonishing to me that we are so monumentally failed about our own physiology. Yeah. That we have no idea, actually. Well, it's actually. not taught at school, is it? Like, you're no. not, you know, you're taught how they make babies. Yeah. That's basically it. Or how not no... to get pregnant. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's just hand you a baby and then yeah. that would be, like, half an hour would be better. <laughs> just, here's, here, look after this child that's crying <laughs> and probably pooing you. Like, that yes. would put you off more yes. than yeah. what they actually do. But, yeah, yeah there's no this is how you give birth or this no that's not covered at all and again no pelvic floor i mean now they're just starting to bring that in yes god yeah for young girls like how to look after your pelvic floor but yeah. yeah yeah when we were at school yeah no, just how not to get pregnant completely and a big part of um, my course now is also saying you know really advocating i i would really recommend you go and see a women's health physio <gasps> or a chiropractor Yay. or an osteo yeah. i don't and whilst you're pregnant exactly that because you know if there is misalignment there's tension in tension, one part yeah. that can create sort of babies in o- less than optimal positions yeah um can have a huge in- um it, you know that can make a massive impact on birth how you how you experience it yeah how um efficient it is more often than not you know we have this whole thing about big babies which is a whole kettle of fish that's ridiculous it's more often about baby positioning yeah you know that can cause sort of make things more challenging yeah um and so if you've got tension you can't actually relax your pelvic floor which exactly. means the baby's not going to come out in the first place so precisely but again if you don't have that information and you've not seen the women's health no. as you and probably i was one of those people mm. you know you're going completely blind yeah so it's almost setting yourself up for failure isn't yeah. it and it would be wonderful if that was on the nhs you yeah know, in I the midst totally of all your antenatal appointments yes. you also got to just see just one women's health physio to get a incredible, really but, good indication of what's kind of going on that you know and given, been given some exercises and yeah. you know how to kind of look at that so you know when i um i've taught a couple of people who have had sort of dancing experience and more often than um, a great proportion of those are breech babies yeah, because of tension in the body or can tight core muscles and all sorts of yeah. stuff like that um so you know things like that that you would sort of think oh they're really fit and healthy and why of course yeah. it's just going to work perfectly um so that's a huge thing but obviously i, I can't frog march people to it but i very will definitely say i i think this would be a useful yes. thing the problem is it's yet more because it's not free it's another it's thing another to pay cost, for another it? cost yeah. but i would say a really good you know it's it's, it's a good investment i always um, say to my clients that you know we spend so much money on the baby and like doing up the nursery and yes the pram you know it can yeah. cost a fortune like if you can, you know, and then I always love to use the like in the olden days, they just put the baby in the drawer, yeah. you know, and that was it. And yeah. it was bathed in the sink. Like yeah. if you can save a little bit of money mm-hmm. or even get your friends to buy you as a yes. gift, yeah. go and see a women's health physio. Because to me it is the best thing since sliced bread. Like yeah. postnatally, obviously yeah. prenatally, wonderful if you can do it. Yeah. But postnatally, at least, get that check, that six to eight week check with a women's health physio. Oh, completely. It's it's vital. And, you know, I'm not knocking GPs, but, you know, my six week check both times was like slightly prodding my stomach. Oh, yeah, you look fine. Yeah. Do you want some contraceptive? You know, oh, how's mum? How's the baby? Yeah. Like, what? Like, and what it's is still, happening? That is still yeah. happening. Because People having it on the phone, you know. Uh, yeah, having wild. it on the phone, even asked if they want it. Um, I had a client the other day who said, the doctor said to her oh let's just rush through you quickly and then we can get to baby and it was like oh, oh okay okay right you Great know it's that analogy of like the woman with the yes. baby in and then it's like the sweet wrapper that gets discarded and yes stuff. But, yeah and then another client who had to like beg the gp to look at her you know her third degree tear and stuff because they didn't want to check the stitches i mean so yeah it's 
again i'm not knocking the nhs but it's really it's lacking yeah Yeah. no it it really is and you know you can wait for referrals but these will often take a really long time so if you have the means i I think it's a really fantastic investment and in fact that's given me an idea to write a post of the things that you should ask for for a baby shower (laughs) because don't give me another fucking bon point you know (laughs) baby whatever (laughs) i don't know do you know i literally have never owned one but it's just the name that came to mind but but um yeah so i think um um, I don't even know how we got onto that. But yeah, so with Martha, when I was pregnant with her, leaving that hypnobirthing class, um, that course, I think it was two two sessions, being so excited, being yes. like, okay, I think I want to have a home birth. Um, and, you know, I can't wait. This is really yeah. exciting. Alongside doing loads of exercise. Okay. And that is definitely a huge thing as well in terms of postnatal recovery i was going to frame a lot who yeah. had mum they just set up or starting mumhood yes, um, yes so that they're kind of pre and postnatal courses and it was phenomenal a i met lots of people so that was great and it was kind of people now i am not i am a real couch potato i'm not an exercise person at all but in martha's pregnancy i was it's the most consistent i've ever been in terms of exercise and I was really into it every single week I would do a yoga class I'd do a strength training class that had a bit of cardio as well and I just loved it so Tim really helped me to facilitate that you know when you've got one it's much easier in yeah, terms of, of okay at the hey, weekend yeah. I'm going off to do that I loved it I, I absolutely loved it and so and I felt strong impacted your post no question no question at all and because I had you know we sort of doing loads of squats and Caroline's classes are amazing she's the person actually oh, that I did Caroline the Bragg, Bragg. Yes, yeah. she's, she's the reason I started the cesarean course oh, so course. because yes, she yes. knew the hypertonic pelvic floor stuff right. that that was going to be the best birth for her maybe it was her that referred me to you oh maybe yeah that because would make I sense a class for her some kind of yoga class so yeah yes. actually that would make a lot of sense yeah, thank so, you Caroline <laughs> she's wonderful I love her um, so it was a lovely full circle thing where she taught yeah. me post antenatally and then I taught her afterwards um, but that no question helped so just uh, I won't spend ages on my birth but basically it was it was a two hour end to end labour and it was not pain free I mean I'm going to be very careful you know clear about that and actually pain is a really important part of labour mm-hmm. <laughs> it primes your hormones and some people will have pain-free births but I was not one of those Um, so I was really screaming and shouting like a banshee in the car on the way there and then as soon as we pulled to the car park I needed to push and then long story short got in there she was out 10 minutes later I mean it was that's typical for a second birth often you know so um, and you know there was a point where you know I did I think I did say I could have some gas and air please they were like your baby's head's coming out like (laughs) it's too late now Um, and this I did sustain a second degree a very just into a second degree tear um, but um, minimal stitching required that was the most painful bit but recovery from that was okay recovery was totally fine I remember the midwife coming to see me afterwards and I'd actually had loads of midwives antenatally I didn't see one person I think I had four or five wow. um, which but they were all so lovely that I, it didn't kind of matter yeah. um, weirdly with Tezza I had one midwife the whole way through um, who was a midwife of one of my clients at the moment so funny like such a funny mad world um, and um, so what happened after that yeah so she came and saw me and she was like oh this is healing beautifully you probably almost didn't need stitches actually okay like, something I didn't know was an option uh, with that healed really well and I felt bloody great I mean honestly I could have walked home after Martha's birth but, um, but I did you tell me you didn't 
<laughs> but I didn't, well, actually, I you know I did walk home, but not that night. So okay. I stayed in Homerton overnight, <laughs> and then because we live so close, you yeah. know, it's a 10, 15 minute walk. But she would not go in the pram, and so I just carried her all the way home. Which <laughs> looking at me like that's nutty, <laughs> but I felt amazing yeah you know um i think but... we just have to be careful about <laughs> how we feel and how you still doing. your body yeah. has still just pushed out a human and your pelvic floor is holding up all of those Agreed. organs so I i'm know. still very much like <laughs> I, I hear a lot of this you know like oh i feel amazing i'm like that's wonderful but if you could just take it tail easy back the walking for yeah. me you know that because you like your pelvic floor is literally like what is she doing what's yeah. just happened I know yeah it's mad isn't it but what I would say is then I got home and then I really took it easy, easy after good. that because A because I knew there was a toddler in the mix as well I remember some of our, I think my sister came round maybe a day or two later and then um, friends came over who had kids and they took Ted out for a bit so we could just be at home um, and um, I saw a women's health physio this time yes round. I did exactly so I went to the mummy MOT in Wimpole Street or wherever okay. it was um, I wish I'd seen Neve, who is just oh, yeah, the most amazing lovely. person ever um, but that was really good but I didn't do that until long, way beyond six weeks but um all fine gave me some exercises i'd had the um the app you know the squeezy uh, app yep, so that was kind that. of useful to have um and what and, about sorry to interrupt no, you anna but no. i'm like conscious of what else was different in the second postnatal so like was the freezer snacked had you read the postnatal oh, yeah. books this time around like what else were you doing for you yeah so loads of food still okay. making sure that everyone who came around bought food as well oh, and i love this is i think one of the first times when i saw your instagram was oh, right. when you did that um that reel oh, with Tim your partner yeah. Yeah. and he's, he's like knocking at the door or something and like people have come to see the baby and you're like you're not coming unless you do something yeah. and I'm like oh my god this is the best thing ever like yeah, yeah. unless you're bringing food or you're like coming to do some washing or you're like completely you be know? demanding yes. yeah so we were very specific about that Good. you know do not if you are coming over to hold the baby Just you're cuddles. not coming in yeah, yeah. you know Love so it. there's this <laughs> it's like the new night rules exactly your names that they're not coming in so it's um, so you know if you're coming in um, that um, you have to be looking after me Who? Yeah. it's not about who holds the baby who holds the parents oh, I, I mean they talk that. about who he holds, holds the mother mom. but yeah. I think it's both you know yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's big for everybody um, and we made we were just very demanding about that and um, and Tim is a very kind of clean tidy everything and it's uh, oh, you know right you. place I know I am I am <laughs> ridi- yeah. <laughs> I am ridiculously lucky I do recognise <sighs> this midwives in Interestingly, we'll say so. Um, there's a brilliant book by Amity Reed called um, Overdue, and it talks about her experience as an NHS midwife. It's really tough. It's okay. a tough read. It made me cry about ten times right. when I read it on the train. I'm not sure I'd recommend it for people who are pregnant, yeah, but I avoid it. yeah, <laughs> I cry but, at everything. Oh, so oh yeah, like, <laughs> it's um. But she says in that that when a midwife goes to visit someone, if their house is very very tidy oh, I've heard or this very before. messy, yes, that's when there's a concern. Yes, if there's so sort of letting that go a bit is is a, a probably a good thing because you're yes. probably not taking it easy enough and you're not taking care of yourself yes I've yes heard that before. yeah so okay. um so um although that's tim all over just to kind of keep things ship shape and all the rest of it so i, I know i am very lucky because i'm i'm very clean he's tidy that's, oh, that's the a good combination combo. <laughs> 
<laughs> but that means I don't do it very often, but when I do, I really go balls deep is the, uh, the thing. So, um, yeah, so that was really important. Having the right people around. Yeah. I had a much better network of people as well. I struggled with feeding both times. Okay. So, um, so lactation consultant? I like... didn't actually have a lactation consultant, but I went to lots of breastfeeding sessions. You know, there are lots of things, Natalie, I would do differently. If you had another Martha's. one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really would. And also maybe because I'm in that world now and I just get it so much yes. more. And perhaps that's a big part of the work that I do is about, you know, learn from these mistakes or <laughs> well, not yeah. mistakes, but just like, you know, you could, this would be no, such I a great understand. investment for yeah. you because so, but um, breastfeeding cafes massively helped. Um, the pediatrician actually, to be fair in hospital, the day after she was born, saw the tongue tie, got rid of that. Um, that was at 10 days. Um, so um, that was really helpful because it was unbelievably painful before that. It used nipple shields and all sorts Everything. of stuff. But um, and I think I called the breastfeeding helpline as well. So there's so much stuff out there. Um, but, you know, I do recognize there are things that I would do differently. I feel almost quite lucky that I'm having a third go at this because I feel like really nail it. I'm like this this time round, <laughs> yeah. it's all about me. Yeah, like, and I'm just like I. But there is totally so much. Is. Yeah, you know, it's like, and again, it's a whole other world, isn't it? Because I think I messaged you about like, mm. right, she actually might have a look at a doula this time. Mm. Which, mm. You know, and it feels to me, it feels really excessive and like selfish. You know, so it's trying to work through some of that. Like, mm. do I really need a doula? Mm. Do I? You know, but yes, actually, this could be incredible to help me. You know. Yeah. with whatever but so postnatally or in birth as well postnatally because yeah. I know the birth and other elective yes. c-section yeah. I know the consultant so I know I'm yeah. completely sorted yeah. but yeah. that coming home and being like well we have got two other little boys at yes. home you know got you know a house that needs tidying yeah. and, and all those just kind of things and just being like so even if Grant takes the kids out and then you know mum comes over and maybe like sits with me and something but it's just someone else who could yeah. be there but yeah just being aware that there's so much more that I could do so I'm almost yeah. like I feel quite like oh third time third third time lucky let's see what else I can get right this yeah time, you know, know I hear this a lot actually so there's a um, wonderful person called Grace Williams she I think I forgot her surname right anyway postnatal doula is okay. her account and um she trains up postnatal doulas as well she's down in Devon okay so Devon on Cornwall Devon and she said exactly the same thing the third time she really got it yeah. right <laughs> you know and I'm sure I, I just can't have another child yeah. now it's <laughs> that ship has sailed I'm so out of that zone you know um but I um it, it's hard to break away from this idea of indulgence isn't it like because yes, you know you just feel I, I yeah. and again like I work in this sphere and I'm obsessed with postnatal mm. recovery and here I am saying I feel a bit selfish looking into a postnatal doula for me, you know. And it's but then like, you're gosh. modelling what you oh, want yeah. people to do, aren't exactly. you? So actually, it's a real lead by example. And Maybe the other it could thing, be a business expense, <laughs> yeah, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, keep that HMRC listening. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the um, I I think it's such a valuable investment, and I you know it's <laughs> there is an argument that it's quite a feminist thing as well. Yes. You know, so a you're employing a small business, you've got that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it is generally women led. I mean, there are a couple of male postnates, a couple of male doulas. Yeah, okay. One, um, so one male midwife who I follow, who's wonderful, James the midwife, I think it's called, and okay. then um, one male doula. And oh. there, there will be more, but those yeah, are the two that I'm sort of aware of. Um, and there is a thing about you know of of that kind of like that woman holding that space. And again, yeah. it's that cultural thing, isn't it? Whereas in other cultures, it is like all of the women come together, they precisely, cook, they clean, yeah. they do the massage. It's all of that. Yeah. Whereas again, we've just lost 
that that really important um yeah just really helping that transition through that into that matrescence and yeah. turn yeah again so that turning mm. of you know well it's different isn't it second or third time around you're already a mother but you're still it's that identity shift and change and completely working with other women or being with other women that yeah. have gone through the change so yeah. it's like you know that you almost you're underwater and then sort of you know around it's different for everybody but yeah. from about maybe sort of six weeks onwards and that's just a line in the sand you know yeah. oh, that gosh. you come sort of you start to resurface again yeah. and yeah I, I really massively would advocate for a postnatal doula you know and I would definitely do it I would have a birth doula I would have a postnatal doula okay. in spite of Tim being a fantastic birth partner the second time it's just my um, help isn't it it's just having someone A who understands that system and then you know postnatally someone who can kind of you know just be there and they act in so many different ways you know yeah. Yeah. kind of like childcare for older kids or you know taking the baby out for a walk while you have a rest or whatever it might be yeah. you know to facilitate the things that you need so uh, and it's such an intimate thing um yeah I, I highly recommend it for sure yeah. okay so I'm like conscious that we could talk forever um so <laughs> let's wrap much. it up yeah. with what else would just be top postnatal tips so postnatal doula what else would you tell like people on your course what is your top things so I hate to draw it back to birth but I yeah. do think that's quite important so I would say in your pregnancy you need I would think keep getting yourself moving and active yeah so getting yourself really strong so really good um yoga courses where people are really indulging in kind of like um movement gallery walks all that sort of stuff that can help baby's positioning that is going to help you no question i would also really advocate for seeing either a woman's health physio an osteopath or whatever it might be some kind of body work to look at that too tension in the body and then really sit down with your partner maybe go out to dinner you know if you if that's easy to facilitate If you haven't got other kids, sit down and then think about those four tenets. How are you going to set yourself up for rest, social support, um, nutrition and body work? Okay. Those are those four things, the four tenets of that. I think that is essential. And then my final one, of course, do a hypnobirthing course. <laughs> Obviously, <I'm laughs> Obviously, with you. <laughs> with me. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think getting... But if you're not going to do that, you know, seek out really great podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Get, read a book. Read In Your Own Time by Sarah Wickham. Read um, Childbirth as a Rite of Passage by Rachel Reed. Um, r- listen to the Birth Rebellion podcast um, and the Midwife's Cauldron podcast. Those four are, I think, my, the essential elements okay. and they're fun and they're interesting and they are easy to kind of digest and then i would really recommend a postnatal doula or an ibclc so a lactation consultant okay. if you are intending to breastfeed some people it works brilliantly straight away and that's wonderful it's the most natural thing in the world it doesn't mean that it it's comes naturally hardest, yeah. yeah it can be so hard and if you can avoid damage early on yes a lot of it will be down to poor latching not always but the vast majority mm-hmm. will be um there's a brilliant person to follow on instagram called olivia Maybe might just be Olivia Lactation Consultant. Okay. I can send you this if we'll you want. We'll put it all say. in the show notes. Yeah, yeah she's um and she it. shares so she doesn't do free cons- consultations, but she sa- shares so much information. Um, you know, she's so um generous with her information, and that can make a massive difference. So it's it's actually so much of it, I think is getting yourself sorted in pregnancy. 
so that it will fall into place more easily for postnatal. Postnatal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those are so tips. Let's, they were amazing. <laughs> let's draw a line under it there and finish it there with all of those tips. Just okay. tell people where they can find you and how they can um, get in contact. I'm all on Instagram way too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like me. <laughs> yeah. God. At Hackney Hypnobirthing or hackneyhypnobirthing.com. I teach at the Pembury Community Centre in um, really close to Hackney Downs Station. Uh, and I also teach online. Um, and I also offer a caesarean course, um, a refresher course or kind of essentials course if you haven't got the time or the money or the inclination to do a full course. So there's kind of different options that I offer as well. So, Amazing. Yeah, and thank you, know, you so much. Thank you Anna. so much for having me. And think, you know, as always, talking too much. Yes, <laughs> it's been perfect. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Bye. If you've enjoyed listening to the Honest Postnatal Podcast today, please leave a review and hit the subscribe button. This way we can reach more women with honest postnatal stories. And if you'd like to message me, you can find me on Instagram at honestyogaldn.